Hey everyone, it's me, Tom Zalat, and I, host and producer of No Bad Food. I have a very special announcement for you today, right out the gate, right at the top of the show, before we even play the music. That's how important and special it is. For the past few years, we have been part of a network called the Upford Network that I myself founded back in 2018, and I am very excited to tell you that as of today, as of the release of this episode, we are now officially moving over to the Podcavern Network. You might know the Podcavern Network as the home of Tung La, who's been a guest on this show a bunch of times. It is another network, a lot like ours, based here in Canada, that, uh, has had the same kind of philosophy as us for a really long time, and we decided it was about time we combine our forces into something even greater. So the Upford Network is very slowly going to be merging with Podcavern over the next little while. This will not affect anything about the shows that you know and love, except that it will make them all that much better. But on a fundamental level, not too much is going to change. I'm just going to be saying some slightly different words, (laughs) but the content is going to be exactly as it always has been, which is exactly as I always want it to be. So, uh, as the now associate producer of the Podcavern, welcome to No Bad Food. Cue the music. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there is no such thing as bad food. Before we dig in, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. Uh, So if you are a settler, I'm going to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. Now, today's show is about the humble burger. You may know it as a hamburger or a cheeseburger or a beef, bacon, whatever burger. Today, we're going to get all into what is a burger, what makes a burger a burger, where does the burger come from, and how many times can you say the word burger in the same sentence before it loses all meaning. And of course, I cannot do this alone. I mean, I could vamp about burgers for an hour, probably, by myself, actually. That is a challenge I am up to, but it's not a challenge I'm up to today, because today I would rather do it with a friend. Today's guest, Matt Cole, is one of the co-hosts of Debate This, a video game and comic book podcast that answers all the questions nobody is asking, like which Pokemon would make the best chicken parm, or which Food Network hosts would stand the best fighting chance if dropped into Warner Brothers Multiverses. Uh, well, fun fact here, the Food Network is part of Scripps, which is part of the Warner Brothers Discovery, like, conglomerate, so technically, Guy Fieri is a Warner Brothers character and should be in Multiverses. This is my platform for the upcoming election. <laughs> Welcome back. It's been a minute. How you doing? It has been a minute, and I am going to live every day for the rest of my life waiting until I can play multiverses and punch LeBron James with Guy Fieri. That's all I've ever wanted <laughs> in video games. Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. I'm glad to be back. I haven't been on No Bad Food in a minute, and I'm happy to be here. 
Yeah, good to have you. I'm hoping, you know, I could see Guy Fieri doing like a Wario and Smash Bros. kind of moveset, you know, little car. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that. Yeah. Or maybe I want even more like a Ganondorf in Smash Bros. Like okay. I want I want Guy Fieri to like, I want Guy Fieri giving someone a knuckle sandwich to be like a really dramatic experience <laughs> i want it to be like a falcon punch sure yeah, yeah yeah i get that yeah falcon punch maybe and then like the side b could be the the driving in on a in his little car you know back and forth oh yeah that would be exactly like warriors for sure maybe a hunch see this is the thing that i'm thinking is like he could grab them like a sandwich and munch them for a little like damage with a <laughs> heel built in Wow, I haven't thought this much about Guy Fieri in a Smash Brothers game, but I'm enjoying it and may need to revisit this on my own podcast <laughs> later. You best believe I've already messaged Andrew about this. Perfect. Good. Love it. All right. Well, Matt, you know what we're here for today. We're here to talk about burgers, but of course, we are also here to talk about you, and you are a person, and we want to know what you are like as a person in terms of food and in terms of burgers, especially. So how about you introduce yourself in terms of food and in terms of burgers? Yeah. So hello, my name is Matt Cole. I've been here a a number of times. Feel free to check out any of the other episodes for more of me, but I really like food food and i really like burgers because i grew up in western pennsylvania and i am white and that's what white people in western pennsylvania eat it's mostly burgers rumor so has it. yeah yeah rumor has it that's, <laughs> that's according to the prophecy um but no i really like burgers i am definitely a like red meat very stereotypical american in that way but i also love to experiment with burgers like burgers are definitely one of the base foods that i will go the wildest with you know like if somebody's like oh check out this crazy kalua cowboy cowabunga burger you want to put it in your mouth the answer is probably yes i'm probably into that burger all right what what goes in a kalua cowboy cowabunga burger i don't know for sure but I would say that the Kahlua would probably be like a like a Kahlua barbecue sauce, okay. right? Like that seems like what you would do with Kahlua in a burger. Um, and then your standard cowboy burger has bacon and onion rings with barbecue sauce. So you get your your bacon, you get your onion rings, and then the cowabunga. I'm not so sure about because if you go Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles then I guess you need to put a slice of pizza on it. But if you're going to go like, you know, just, just cowabunga as a phrase, it's got to be something like surfy. Sure. Um, so you could either do like, I don't know, pineapple because it's tropical or shrimp. Like you could put a shrimp on top of that burger. Uh, Cause <laughs> it's surf, sure. I guess. Or I think um, a lot of, food at least in america i think a lot of fast food places these days are using a lot of adjectives to describe adding jalapenos to their menu items (laughs) (laughs) like spicy zesty extreme fiery all these things just mean with jalapenos sure and so if you told me cowabunga meant you were gonna get a burger with kalua barbecue sauce bacon onion rings and jalapenos i would believe you 
and I would, in fact, eat that burger. Yeah, I get it. I'm almost thinking, like, why not have jalapeno and pineapple in there? Why not? Yeah, yeah I don't think of jalapeno and pineapple as two things that go together, but I'm down to try it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I don't think of either of them as a thing that goes with Kahlua either. So I'm wondering if putting the three of them together, like, you know, <laughs> you know, like you, you, two negatives make a positive or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> A little burger math, you know? Yeah, I mean, if we're being honest, I I don't know that I've had Kahlua in, like, the last seven years. So yeah, I don't either. even know what Kahlua tastes like at this point or how it would go in a barbecue sauce. But I mean, you I can think put anything good. in barbecue sauce. Yeah, that's it. And, and, like, I know Kahlua is, like, I haven't had Kahlua in a very long time either. But, like, I know it's a coffee-flavored liquor, right? So, like... That that to me says if you cook that down, cook the alcohol out of it, you just have like a coffee flavor that's maybe a little got like a little kick from the booziness of it. And like I think that in a barbecue sauce sounds good. Yeah, I googled Kahlua barbecue sauce and a lot of uh or a lot of recipes came up including one from food.com. Okay. Uh so at least the people with the the most succinct URL in the food world believe that Kahlua zesty barbecue sauce is worth at least four and a half out of five stars. All right. Well, I'll take it. That sounds pretty good. That works so anyway, good. hey, you wanted to talk about burgers? <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's do it. Let's talk about burgers. So this is our burger episode. This is the last episode of the summer, I'm thinking of it as, before we start getting into cozy fall content. Uh, this episode also drops the day before my birthday, and uh, that day is Labor Day, because I was born on Labor Day, because I have been pro- unions since day one i guess <laughs> my my birthday falls on a tuesday this year so it is not labor day on my birthday but it is labor day when this episode comes out and what is more true of the working class than a handheld lunch right what is better for for folks in a union for folks who want to have workers rights than a a, a burger I don't know where I'm going with this, frankly. It feels like a weird little like side tangent into, into you know, fuck the system or whatever. But happy Labor Day to everybody. Hope you're taking the day off today. You should be. Hope you're, um, hope you're in a good situation with work where you're being treated like a person. And if you're not, I hope you're able to find one soon. Yeah, I agree deeply with all of the things that you just said. Hey, if nobody's told you recently, your job doesn't care about you. Yeah. Burgers do care about you, I guess, is the moral of the story. Um, yes, burgers care about you. Tom, we got there. There we go. Tom, we got there. We that is the moral of this episode. Burgers care about you. Burgers do care about you. Um, okay, so two things I want to do right out the gate here before we before we get any further. I want to define what a burger is. Because this is a conversation that we have had uh, on past episodes of the show. It's important to know what a burger is before we dive into this. So for, for folks at home who probably know what a burger is, but just in case, a burger or a hamburger at its core is two buns with some kind of meat in the middle. Obviously, many parts of this can be dissected and turned into other things. You can have a vegetarian burger, and I think that's okay if your meat is replaced with vegetarian meat. Uh, you can have, you know, various kinds of bun, but I think that the structure of the thing is important. It is a type of sandwich at the end of the day. Um, does, does that feel fair? It does feel fair, and like I'm trying not to be a contrarian about it, because what I want burger to be is like bun patty bun, right? Sure. But then... 
one of my favorite burgers of all time, which I'm sure that we'll talk about this or that we'll talk about in this episode is just uh bun patty topping and there's no top bun, which I think makes it difficult to call a sandwich. Sure. So yeah, but I, I mean, I agree with what you said. I think burger loosely defined is stuff between two transporting devices. Yeah, that's it. Like we basically like, like most foods, you can really like change a lot of elements of something and still call it that thing and get away with it in most circumstances. But for like, for ease of conversation, when we talk about a burger, we are generally talking about, you know, yeah, bun patty bun. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that that's fair. I think most people would define a burger similarly. Bun patty bun. The the 1975 classic by David Geddes. There you go. All right, we got there. I'm sorry. That's that's dumb and bad. You know what's not dumb and bad? <laughs> hamburger history. Matt, I have a, a hamburger history true or false segment for you today. How do you feel about that? I'm really excited about this. All I'm right. very, very excited about this. <laughs> so uh, I should say this is not a like sponsored episode by any stretch of the imagination, but this is coming a little bit uh, inspired by a book that I finished reading a little while ago and thought there's too much fun stuff in here for me to not incorporated into an episode so i want to give a little shout out to seth the burger beast gonzalez uh who published a book called all about the burger a history of america's favorite sandwich uh it's a fun read i would recommend checking it out uh and all of the true or false facts that are in this uh upcoming true or false segment are taken from this book so a little credit to seth there the burger beast check it out fun book okay matt are you ready i have five true or false questions for you I'm so ready. Give them to me. If you get at least three of these right, you will win an A&W gift card. Do you have A&W where you are? Is that a useless prize for you? I don't know. I love A&W, and we have one where I, I grew up. I don't know if there are any A&Ws in Columbus. Hold on. This may be a, a pointless A&W prize for you, but we'll see. Columbus, Ohio. Uh, yeah, we got one. I got one. Beautiful. All right. So there we go. If you get at least three out of five correct you'll be getting a, a fabulous A&W gift card. <laughs> How about that? Are you ready? I am ready. All right, here we go. First and foremost, the hamburger is named after the Duke of Hamburg. True or false? True. Ooh, I'm sorry, Matt. That one is false. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. lame. I know, I know. I wish it was true. Uh, while the idea of a Duke of Hamburg is a fun concept, uh, that is just one of many fake origin stories that exist for the hamburger. Uh, there are lots of those, um, but the most credible and probably like actual origin of the hamburger uh, is a little bit less exciting, but still kind of fun. Uh, so Hamburg is a place in Germany, right? Uh, and there is a food called tartare that is like, you know, chopped up raw beef. <laughs> now, at some point in the 15th century, uh, tartare as a concept made its way from France to Germany. And the Germans were like, not totally sold on it because like it's raw beef uh and that led to them eventually starting to grind meat uh specifically from the less desirable cuts of beef uh and turning that into a sort of mock steak uh so the hamburg steak <laughs> being what we would call a burger patty now uh you know originated in the 15th century in hamburg germany uh it would eventually make its way to america with german immigrants in the 19th century and that is how we ended up with the hamburg 
hamburger steak sandwich because uh you know america being the land of industrialization and people not having time to sit down and eat loves a sandwich and uh that's how we got the hamburger sandwich shortened to the hamburger uh, a fun thing about that is that we call it a burger a lot of the time <laughs> which is fun because it loses like most of what its name is like have you ever had a, yeah. a a menu call it a cheese hamburger no you have a cheeseburger because cheeseburg is the origin of that sandwich i guess huh that's very interesting okay so you know not the duke of hamburg but i like to believe that maybe he exists still and is mad that he doesn't have a sandwich named after him i would be i'd be furious you'd be furious if no one named a sandwich after you i mean if i was like the duke of a thing like if i ever become actual royalty you know overlooking all of the colonialism issues with that sentence <laughs> if i ever become actual royalty somebody better name a sandwich after me <laughs> fair enough well you know i am uh, like you are not going to become actual royalty as far as i'm aware but i am in a position where i could theoretically name a sandwich after you i mean if you want to do that i'll be i'll be about it i'll see what i i, do. I license my name for sandwich usage it's in writing in this audio podcast there we go transcript transcript says matt Colberger can exist yeah exactly Legally. it sure do all right well so far not looking good for you and the anw gift card but let's try question number two how you feeling uh you know still great honestly good all right let's get into it uh number two mcdonald's can be credited with creating the hamburger as we now know it I don't I don't mean to be this guy, but like what do you mean the hamburger as we now know it? Like like McDonald's created the hamburger in the format that we understand it today in America. Uh that sounds that sounds true. I believe that. Also false. <laughs> Dude, I'm doing so well. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, yeah, like debatable, right? Because McDonald's has had like the level of success that it has had and the level of popularity and familiarity. Like you could argue that this one is true, but technically, Matt, have you heard of White Castle? Oh, yeah. Yeah. White Castle was founded here. I should have known that. Yeah. White Castle, established in 1916, predates McDonald's by about 25 years and served as an inspiration to the McDonald brothers, who are real people, when they created their own restaurant, which would later be purchased by Ray Kroc, who would become CEO and is the one widely credited as uh, being responsible for McDonald's, you know, eventual globalization and takeover of the international burger market. But again, none of this would be possible were it not for White Castle. Wow. Yeah. Well, I... I feel legitimately bad about not knowing that. <laughs> if I could go back in time and change my answer, I'd do it. You're 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 losing both this true and false segment and also your chance at getting a burger named after you, frankly. I'm disappointed. It sounds like you're losing faith in me, and that's a you problem and that's, not a me problem, that's Tom. That's fair. You could still pull out a win here. There is still a chance. Are you ready for Chris Crash? Are you ready for Crease Crash? I'm ready for Crease Crash. All right. And by that, I mean number three. McDonald's sold their one billionth burger in the 1960s before the invention of their signature Big Mac. Uh, Yeah, that's true. I knew that. Okay, I know yeah. that. that. Good. You, that's definitely true. You are correct. That is true. Uh, do you know when the Big Mac was rolled out? 1972. Very close. So the Big Mac was rolled out in 1968, while their one billionth burger was sold in 1963. So like very close to each other. But yeah, 
You are correct. Do you want to take a stab at how many burgers McDonald's sells per year now? Oh, goodness. This is not a true um, or false question. It's just nuts. Yeah. Uh, okay. Globally? Yeah. I'm going to go with like 4.4 billion burgers. Okay. So it is considerably less than that. Okay. But it is like over 2 billion. I think it was like 2.3 or 2.5. I don't know that that's that. Like, I mean, obviously we're talking about really large numbers here. There's two whole billion dollars between the things we just said. But like (laughs) in the grand scheme of things, I don't feel like 4.4 is that far off from like 2.3. Like, yeah, you know, logical (laughs) progression says in 10 years, they'll be doing 4.4 billion burgers a year. Yeah, no, you're, you're probably right. It's just double, but like double at that magnitude feels like a nothing yeah it yeah. absolutely does yeah yeah that's it. it it took them like something like 30 years to sell a billion or no 20 ish yeah 20 ish years to sell their first billion burgers which like is still a crazy accomplishment all things considered uh but now they sell two billion plus per year so that is wild yeah that is so crazy that's so many burgers that feels like an insane amount of anything frankly like except maybe rice yeah right like unless you're doing individual (laughs) grains or pieces of something that feels like an asinine amount yeah but but also like when you think about how mcdonald's original concept involved selling you burgers by the bag full uh (laughs) it's like yeah it's extra crazy to me that it took them like 20 years to sell a billion of them because it's like they were selling them in like quantities of like 10 you know like now you don't buy 10 burgers at a time as much I mean, I don't well, know. unless you go to White Castle, I mean, that's still yeah. like White Castle's thing. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Well, that's that's where McDonald's got their idea was from yeah. seeing White Castle sell them by the bag. And I think we should bring that back. Honestly, I would eat a bag full of hamburgers. I bags are never the optimal delivery method for a food. The only the only food optimally delivered in a bag and eaten from that bag uh is a walking taco no no other thing is optimally delivered in a bag that's my hard opinion so i'm gonna disagree with that one because french fries from a bag i don't know so not not hard french fries i'm talking like soft french fries that are like perfect for like salt and vinegar just poured in there and shaken up there is nothing like that from a brown paper bag I don't know if that's just a Quebec thing. I, I have no idea. Uh, do you guys have Five Guys in Canada? Is yeah. that a thing in Canada? We do. Um, that's kind of the Five Guys method of like put a cup in there and then just dump fries in the bag. Um, I don't really like soft fries ever. Okay. So that might be the best way to get soft fries, but I don't want soft fries. Sure. Fair enough. I, I go back and forth. I think I, I like a fry in most forms, personally. Yeah, there aren't many fries I'll turn down, but I don't crave wet, soggy, soft fries. <laughs> well, when you put it that way, me neither. I do. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? It's gross. There's not a lot of things that I crave wet, except like maybe my beef. <laughs> oh wow, that's I. I shouldn't have laughed at that. I, it was just really funny. But yeah, man, I get it. Like I don't. There aren't many foods that I would like the adjective sopping to describe them upon delivery. There are some. It's not none, but it's it's certainly few. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. All right. Well, speaking of things that are sopping wet, are you ready for number four? Always have been. 
good. Um, number four, the popular burger chain A&W invented root beer. Uh, false. Correct. That is false. Uh, they popularized it, certainly. Uh, in 1919, prohibition took hold of the United States, making it illegal to sell alcohol. So people had to sell other things to give people that kind of similar buzz and refreshing yummy yum drink experience. Uh, and Roy Allen, the titular A of A&W, started selling root beer that year. Uh, he can be credited with popularizing it as a drink at like drive-ins and hamburger stands, but root beer as a drink dates back much earlier, having been sold in stores in the United States since the 1840s. And uh, do you want to guess who first made drinks out of root beer like root beer-esque drinks you want to take a stab at that one oh i mean i would have to imagine it was the hordes of civilizations that existed on this country long before it was colonized sure was yep indigenous peoples in north america have been making root beer style drinks since long before pre-colonial times there it is yep Yep. So while A&W, you know, popularized and, you know, globally marketed root beer. Yeah. Can't take credit for that one. Sorry. Hey, Matt, this is it for all of the burgers, I guess. For all of the A&W gift cards. (laughs) Here we go. The final question. If you get this one right, you win the gift card. If you lose this one, you don't. Wendy's. The burger chain Wendy's, now famous for its Baconator sandwich and its delicious Frosties, originally mostly sold Kentucky Fried Chicken. True or false? This question feels loaded in some way. Like, this feels like a gotcha-style question (laughs) or something. Because that, like, the way that you ask me that question feels like it should be true, but my knowledge of both the founding of Kentucky Fried Chicken and the beginning of the restaurant Wendy's makes it seem unlikely. So I'm not good. Well, I guess I am going to trust my gut. I was going to say I'm not going to trust my gut and I'm going to go with the opposite answer, but that would inherently be trusting my gut. I'm going to say that's true. Congratulations, Matt Cole. You just won yourself a a card. Ye of little faith. (laughs) He had so little faith in me. And here I am. I stand proudly atop your game, Tom. Proudly atop your game that I have won today. Yeah, you did it. So so yeah, in the 1950s, before KFC existed as a standalone restaurant franchise, Colonel Harlan Sanders, who is a real person who existed and just, you know, was passionate about selling people his tasty chicken, had made a name for himself by selling delicious chicken and the delicious chicken recipe to other restaurants as a menu item, and Wendy's was among them. Uh, in the late 60s, Wendy's founder Dave Thomas, that is uh, Wendy Thomas's father, had some success running a bunch of KFC-centric franchises, but then things started to take a turn for the worse because customers started to ask for higher quality products. Um, because, you Whoops. know, for all that KFC was good, it was uh, not the like highest quality thing being sold at the time. Uh, and so those restaurants started to take a dive, and Dave Thomas... or um, Colonel Sanders actually told Dave Thomas, like, pull out now, basically, like, sell your franchises, get a bunch of money and do something else because this is tanking. So he did that, became a millionaire in 1968. And then he noticed that there was another chain called Cupy Burgers that I don't think exists anymore. Um, it who, does. It does. does. It? I, I've been to Cupy's. Yeah, there's three of them left. Amazing. In Lima, Ohio. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Cupy Burger, uh, the most famous thing to come out of Lima, Ohio since Glee. Uh, I don't know what I mean by that. Uh, had been selling a square. <laughs> burger and dave thomas was like wow a square burger that's a good way to like show people the quality of the beef and 
decided to do that instead of of KFC. So uh, yeah, he opened his first real Wendy's as we know it today in 1969, selling square burgers, thick shakes, and delicious chili. That's rad. I have, so like I said, I've been to QP's and it's really surreal. Like (laughs) it feels like proto Wendy's. Right. Because it is absolutely proto Wendy's, but it's it's kind of surreal to like experience what has been so heavily commercialed or commercialized in a form that it was was before that. Because QP's is still very like old school diner, like somebody handwrites your uh, order down and puts it on a a spinning order wheel that goes back <laughs> to the kitchen. Like it's. It's not Wendy's. It's right. much different. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Like so many of the of today's like big burger franchises, either started out as those little you know almost mom and sh- mom and pop shop diner kind of places, or stole their idea from those mom and pop diner places and you know capitalized it. I guess right. industrialized it. I don't know how I want to say that, but like took the concept and went. How can we do this on a mass scale for profit? while sacrificing some of the quality. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's really interesting. There's a whole, like, Food That Made America series that History Channel did a couple of years ago that's really, really good and talks about the, um, you know, the stories of the beginning of some of these restaurants, how, like, Kentucky Fried Chicken was a gas station. And it was, you know, like, this guy air frying chicken in the back of his gas station (laughs) and he like got involved with local farmers and ended up like killing a guy and it's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not directly related to burgers, but yeah, I think every modern burger place that I can think of now has some picture of the first burger shack that we ever were, uh, you know, in, in the restaurant these days. Yeah, exactly. And And I kind of love that trend of like, showcasing your history a little bit like i think there's something like obviously it's a marketing thing for a lot of them where like i don't think most mcdonald's franchisees give a shit about the history of the franchise like that probably feels like a safe assumption that a lot of the people who own them are just like yeah i'm gonna make some money here but like there is something beautiful still about seeing like those old photos and hearing the old stories and knowing like where these things started and i don't know like i feel I feel torn on this. Like, what do you think of this? Like, I feel torn saying that there's something beautiful about the history of fast food when the history of fast food is such a, like, capitalist thing. But, like, I still love it? Eh, I don't know. I feel complicated about it. I think that's fair. I mean, I think there are certainly complicated feelings to have about it. I guess my two cents to that is that there is nothing inherently evil about entrepreneurship right sure you know like nobody who started these fast food restaurants like i'm sure even the guys at a and w and mcdonald's like nobody thought they would be doing 2.2 billion burgers a year sure you know like the the difference between a fast food restaurant in the 60s and 70s and a fast food restaurant in the 80s and 90s is vast and so i think that there is so much nostalgia for early era fast food because there's something yeah inherently less evil or like less corporate icky about it you know like i still remember going to wendy's after church with my families on sunday and like 
sitting on the sun porch with my family <laughs> eating out of the the yellow wrappers and stuff and and that was in the 90s and the 2000s and my grandparents still love going to Wendy's because that was their closest fast food restaurant in the 70s and while corporations have gotten bigger and bigger since really the Reaganomics and then into the the Nixon era of the 80s like before that it was a really wholesome family experience to have this ability to go out for a meal that was casual and quick and fit into you, you know, the American lifestyle, the Canadian lifestyle, whichever it's, it's just, I think that those early era burger shacks harken back to this time. when it was like, Hey, wasn't it fun when you could buy a 10 cent burger for everyone <laughs> in the family? And that was just that, you right. know, and not like, buy our super mega deal get two toys for the kids and spend eight bucks on soda you know like it's the times have just changed and um i didn't expect to get weirdly nostalgic about hamburgers today but here we are yeah i mean i think that's fair though like i i think you're you're spot on with that that like old timey iterations of the stuff that we know today have that nostalgia and have that feeling of innocence almost where it's like yes like if they had known back then what the eventual ca- consequences of capitalism would be, like maybe they should have made some different choices along the way, and maybe they could be making different choices now to kind of rectify a lot of things. But like at the time, you're right. Like they had no concept of what this was going to turn out like, right? And like when we get critical of the past, we have to keep that in mind too. That like we read the past through our present day biases and like you know that doesn't mean that we can't criticize it certainly but it does mean that we like they didn't know what we know right yeah a hundred percent there are things like treating people decently that they did know and chose not to do certainly but like in terms of like you know long-term consequences they didn't know what we know and so like i i think that there is something valid about going like yeah like i do love fast food and i do love knowing the history of fast food even if present day fast food is like kind of terrifying right yeah and and i think that you know there's always this really horrifying moral question to ask about capitalism of whose fault is it right you know like supply and demand says that demand or that supply only increases because demand increases but we also know through the studies of a hundred years of american capitalism (laughs) that that is not inherently true right right and and so when it comes to fast food i think to me it's it's one of these issues where it's really easy to point fingers and to to point blame and and say like well mcdonald's is only like this now because all you fat losers kept eating mcdonald's or mcdonald's is like this now because they marketed to children with addictive food additives you know like there there's so much to unpack there that when you look past those layers and just appreciate fast food as fast food there is a lot of nostalgia to be had yeah but there certainly have become more and more let me just say it this way fast food hasn't aged well sure yeah yeah that's it and and the wild thing there like my my stance on this has always been it is okay to criticize the systems in place 
it is not okay to criticize the consumer for choosing to be part of those systems to like enjoy the product of those systems right because I don't know like I could feel guilty every time that I get McDonald's for my kids but also getting McDonald's for my kids brings them joy it feeds the family it like there is a nostalgic element for me too right of like growing up going to McDonald's a bunch as a kid like it for me we were just poor enough that the only way that I could get toys on a regular basis and also eat a full meal on a regular basis, like the most cost effective way for my mom was frequently to go get happy meals. And so we would do that. And like, I don't think that made her a bad mom. I think there's a lot of things that did. I don't think that's one of them. And like, I, I think there is room for growth and room for like compassion in, in all of this, except for the billionaires. I think that the billionaires, you know, who make the most profit off of this could be doing a lot of things wildly differently to like, I don't know, protect the planet from their monster that they have created and choose on a daily basis not to do it. But again, I don't think that's on the consumers, right? Because, you know, you and me, we just want burgers. We just want to have a good burger. We don't necessarily have time or, or energy you know, if we if we get critical of convenience food and of fast food, oftentimes the people who consume those things the most are people who don't have the spoons for cooking a meal for themselves, right? And like, are you going to tell a disabled person that they are a bad person for eating McDonald's because they can't, you know, cook themselves some pasta? No, because that makes you an asshole, right? Like, we, there there is there are gray areas in all of this. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, like eat the rich a thousand percent yeah and on top of that there are a lot of really complex issues to unpack here you know and nothing in the world when it comes to moral questions like this is black and white it's it's obviously all very situational and so on and so forth that's why these questions become so hard to answer and truly why i believe that people fight about them so much because like there is that that reality of like you're just built into this system. I mean, I did not grow up poor by any means, but I grew up lower middle class in prime fast food target market. You sure. know, just like my my dad worked, my mom worked. They would pick me up from school, and if one of them was working, we would swing through fast food. You know, like that was a very, very typical way of life for me, and I agree. I don't think that that makes my parents necessarily bad parents or anything like that for those decisions um but then you you know look at now and the the idea of like trying to quote unquote vote with your wallet and like trying to make the most ethical choices you can while also still living a life that has built you into a system that (laughs) demands you to make unethical choices it's really it's really complicated it's really loaded and it is a super shitty outcome of capitalism that really bums me the fuck out but i think to get us back to what this episode is supposed to be about i i guess like burgers hold a special place of nostalgia because of their their role in that story and I think that role that they played for a lot of us where like you know I don't know any person our age I'm sure I I know a couple we all know some rich folks but like I don't know many people our age 
who didn't have a time in their life where dinner was a dollar hamburger from the McDonald's right. value menu. You yeah. know, like we've we have all of us existed on nothing more than a burger before. And I think that the food itself stripped away from all of the social issues that surround it is really this this you know beacon of togetherness almost and like this this common denominator that a lot of humanity shares yeah beautifully put i i i love that i agree i think my one my one kind of input there is like i had some rich friends in college and like even they had meals that were just you know stuff from the dollar menu the the key difference being they would get like four or five things from the dollar menu <laughs> and have oh, an actual yeah. meal of it and it, you know in all fairness i would do that once in a while too i'd be like okay time to treat myself i'm gonna get like six double cheeseburgers today and buy them by the bag full as god intended yeah man i mean my wife and i had wendy's for dinner last night hell yeah like she got home from work late we had a bat in our house that we had to get rid of and at the end of all that we were like hey let's just go across the street to wendy's because i don't want to cook food there's so much excess capitalism built around convenience that I think it's really easy to give the convenience a negative connotation, totally. right? And and say that like, oh, it's it's bad because it's convenient or it's bad because it's easier, it's bad because it's cheap. Like might be bad nutritionally. I'm not going to argue with you there, sure, but like sure. it that doesn't make it bad, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't make it a, a uh, like failure on someone to eat or enjoy fast food yeah well it's like we say at the top of the show there's no such thing as bad food i will say you invited me on your burger episode and i came here with a a strong desire to talk about my two favorite capitalism capitalism burgers of all time and by that i mean the the two restaurant burgers that i hold above all other burgers I am very excited to hear about those. And before we get to that, the sort of juicy nugget at the center of the burger of this episode. What? Uh, we got we got a we got another thing right in the middle of this roll. If you know what I mean, it's the mid roll. <laughs> <laughs> If you are enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of September, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of the show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. There is literally no other way to turn zero into six unless you're a billionaire and you turn zero work into six million dollars so if that math is exciting for you go do it you can read all about what the depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode just because it is my birthday and i'm feeling generous and excited and uh it's a burger themed episode we are also running a little giveaway on our instagram page this week where you can win a gift card for a and w not the gift card that matt won i have multiple gift cards for exactly this purpose all of the details of this giveaway are on our instagram page at no bad food pod so go check that out if you're interested you can win some burgers I like A&W. You need a little burger from them. Uh, last but not least, given that this episode drops the week of my birthday, uh, I was thinking maybe you want to give me a birthday present, huh? Do you? Do you? <laughs> that, 
<laughs> that'd be nice of you. If you. You don't have to, but it'd be cool if you did. And uh, what greater birthday present than financial support at this time when I am struggling financially? Uh, you can consider supporting our show on Patreon because the show is entirely listener supported and funded by listeners like you, where you can go to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod to give us as little as a dollar a month or more because it's my birthday and you want to do something special for me. You could also just PayPal me some money if you want, and then maybe I could buy myself a book or a meal or pay a bill or my credit card debt. Or if you don't have money and you still want to give us a nice little birthday present, share the episode with friends, friends who like burgers, friends who like food, friends who like me. (laughs) All right, let's get back to the show. So, Matt, here we are in the second half of the show, the last chunk of the show, the bottom bun, if you will. (laughs) I will. I will. Tell me about your favorite burgers. Okay. So, thing number one is that I think I have said on No Bad Food before, I've been on this podcast a lot, and I don't remember all the things I've said, but I think that I have said on this podcast before that I believe the, like... You know, whether it's the cowboy burger or the Western burger or whatever ridiculous name is slapped upon it. I believe that that is like the best way to test a burger restaurant's burger options. Sure. So if some restaurant is like, we have burgers. What one would you like to try? My answer is the cowboy burger. So... That's thing number one, and I just wanted to, like, put that out there. Now, yeah, absolutely. Thing number two is my my two favorite burgers that I have ever burgered. And the first one of them still exists, and so I want to talk about it first. Do you guys have Red Robin in Canada? Good question. Or in Montreal, I guess I should say, is the real question. I think we don't in Montreal, um i think oh no hold up we have <laughs> oh no we have uh i'm not sure exactly where this is but there is definitely a restaurant um in oh on the island of montreal called robin des bois whoa so we do is that red robin in montreal apparently sweet okay cool um so thing number one that i will say is that I sampled a lot of takeout food in the last two years of my life. I don't know about you guys, but I had to go through this pandemic situation. And I have to say that Red Robin's food travels better than maybe any other food I ordered during the entire pandemic. Like the loss in quality by traveling in plastic container is so minimal that it is nothing short of astounding. Like, I have nothing but great things to say about how well Red Robin's burgers travel. So that's thing number one I want to say. Thing number two is they have this creation called the Chili Chili Cheeseburger. I don't know if the um, if, if Montreal Red Robin has a Chili Chili Cheeseburger... But <laughs> I have just uh, gone to their website. This is entirely not affiliated with Red Robin, apparently. Man, that's a bummer. <laughs> I'm sad for you. Me too. I'm on the Red Robin website, and I am um, no Red Robin locations near Montreal, Quebec. Nope. Sorry, just that's one, a bummer. There is one in uh, Watertown, New York, is I think the closest Red Robin location to Montreal. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. 
Uh, if you ever want to get a stamp on your passport, you go to New York, you get yourself chili chili cheeseburger. Um, <laughs> so I'm yeah, looking tell me at about the, this chili cheeseburger. Tell me about it. So I'm looking at the menu now, and I'm seeing that there is, in fact, a top bun on it, which I thought they just, like, didn't come with a top bun. But it is a bottom bun, a burger, cheese, a giant scoop of chili, more cheese, onions, Burger uh, lid. Burger, burger lid. lid. Top bun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Burger lid, huh? Burger lid. So that's the chili chili cheeseburger. It's delicious. I like getting a fried egg on top of it. I love fried eggs on burgers. Fried eggs on burgers slaps. So I, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Other than get out of Canada and come try yourself a chili chili cheeseburger. <laughs> Not sponsored by Red Robin, unless Red Robin wants to sponsor me, in which case um, you can find my contact information in the show notes. So that is the chili chili cheeseburger. It's still sure. available. You can get it right now. Now I want to tell you about a burger of your, uh, a, a, a lost burger, oh, if you will. Okay. A, a special menu item that has come and gone and we may never see again. You guys have Burger King? Matt, I've been in Burger King commercials. That's right. Yes, you're sponsored by Burger King. I forgot. So here's the thing. Way back in like, oh, probably the 2010-ish era, Burger King, at least in Western Pennsylvania, launched this thing called the Loaded A1 Steakhouse Burger, which to this day is the best fast food burger I have ever gotten in my entire life. And it was a Burger King Whopper patty that had cheese, and then it had a big scoop of mashed potatoes, and then it had onion fries, and then it had A1 steak sauce on it, and then it had a burger lid. And that was the loaded A1 steakhouse burger from Burger King, and I used to I literally had like just turned 16 I would take my dad's car to drive across town to the one Burger King in my hometown so that I could get this burger like after my parents had gone to bed I would go back out on the town to get me one of these burgers and when they came off the Burger King menu I was heartbroken I've never found something that has held my love quite the same way as this burger but it was really something special so I have maybe good news for you. Okay, hit me. While Burger King's loaded steakhouse burger no longer exists, it would appear that as of at least sometime in 2021, there is an item on the Dairy Queen menu called the A1 loaded steakhouse burger. So there is, and I I live across the street literally from the window I'm sitting at right now. I can see a Wendy's, a Dairy Queen, and a Taco Bell, and they're all within walking distance of my apartment. God, but, why don't um, I live where you live? You know, if you're willing to live uh, within hearing distance of the largest shopping plaza in the zip code, you can get a lot of nice things. But Fair. anyway, um, the the one at Dairy Queen doesn't have mashed potatoes, and that's the kicker. It was this like oh. mystical dollop of mashed potatoes that really made the burger and i mean i acknowledge that none of these ingredients are hard to find i could and have made this burger for myself however 
there was just something special about the like lacking quality of the ingredients that Burger King used, <laughs> just their general haphazard construction methods of the burger. Sure. It was just perfect, you know, and I, I really don't think that I'm ever going to to match that energy. Yeah, I get that. Did you did you ever try making it with instant mashed potatoes? Oh, definitely. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah. Because I, I, I was going to say that that seems like probably the way that they did it. <laughs> like, just I cannot imagine them making fresh mashed potatoes for it. So, oh yeah, there's no way in hell Burger King <laughs> was making fresh mashed potatoes. Absolutely not. Um, no, nah, man. I, like, I have made this burger in a way that it tastes really great. Sure. You know, like I've had this experience again in my life and been able to say, like, oh yeah, like. You know, that's really good. That's what I was looking for. But it's just, it's not the same as being able to, like, go up to some sweaty 16-year-old and give them $4 and have them spit in your burger and shove it in your mouth. Like, it's just not the same. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right. There is something, there is something to the convenience. Again, it's the convenience, right? It's the, it's the convenience. It's the experience of the fast food interaction. Like, yeah, you can't get that at home, certainly. No, you can try. But I mean, it, like, it's just not the same. If you live with your significant other, I guess you can theoretically like role play that and have like give them four dollars and have them spit in your mouth while they hand <laughs> you a burger. What a weird kink! I'm not here to kink shame, but what a weird kink that would be. <laughs> I need you to act like a kid at Burger King and spit in my mouth. Here's four dollars. <laughs> that would be wild. <laughs> hey, put on this funny hat for me for a second. <laughs> Now fumble with the cash register. Yeah, don't close it right the first time. I can't with this bit anymore. <laughs> on, a, on a more real note, I absolutely feel you with the like steakhouse or the like barbecue or the cowboy because the steakhouse to me sounds like an upgraded cowboy burger. Like right, yeah, it, yeah. it basically is that. Yeah, and I love that shit. I am all about the the most recent for me at Burger King was the uh, like Southwestern King or the like south the barbecue king the bacon king i don't i don't know what they call it there was like a you know yeah i think it was like southwest king i don't know but like yeah that kind of you know barbecue burger with with onion rings and and all of that you know sometimes jalapenos whatever that rules i'm into it yeah yeah absolutely i i haven't tried burger king in a hot minute the burger kings around here are not of a particularly high quality. And I think that that has more to do with our local franchises than it does to do with Burger King at large, sure. uh, the Royal Burger King, if you will. <laughs> but um, I, I was really into the sourdough King that they had for a minute. I thought those were pretty tasty. Um, sourdough bread is good burger bread. If it is like Texas toasted. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. it truly is. Yeah, the Sourdough King was real good. God, we could have an entire episode about Burger King, honestly. I know, and then we would just be the podcast Doughboys and not the podcast No Pet Food. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're not wrong. It. You're not wrong. Okay, final question for you before we wrap things up. Oh, please. And and only because you just mentioned the Sourdough King. What is your favorite bun for a burger? I'm just a like traditional-ass sesame bun kind of person. Sure. Um. Yeah, I really, I do not want or need anything special from a burger bun. Buns that I hate are buns that my 
fingers and thumbs go through. Yeah. So as long as it's not that, honestly, I don't care. But like, I am I am always cool with just a traditional burger bun. Um, what about you? Yeah, I think I'm similar. I I'm always annoyed at the buns that look like the sesame bun but don't have sesame seeds on them. Like, I think they tend to be like potato Fair. buns or whatever. Like, I don't mind them flavor wise, but I'm like, where's my sesame seed? I want the sesame seeds. You know, they feel yeah, important. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think that's it, honestly. I think for me, it, it is that. I have had and really thoroughly enjoyed like hala buns and like brioche buns and like, I don't know, like all of these kind of like alternative buns that are like a ciabatta bun can be really, really nice sometimes and gets around the like fingers going through the bun thing because it tends to be a little more crunch. But like there really is nothing at the end of the day quite like the sesame bun especially if it's like toasted a little bit it's beautiful yeah no i i totally agree and like i'm not as married to the sesame seeds as you are but i don't dislike them i am pretty pretty non non picky uh when it comes to burger buns but now i'm just looking at a big old screen of burgers and i'm starting to get a little hungry this is this is devastating i like truly throughout this entire conversation i've just been opening multiple tabs of google image searches for various burgers and like i don't know if you can hear the water in my mouth you probably can the listeners probably turned this off like 20 minutes ago because of all the drippies you know gross yeah i don't like drippies shouldn't have called them drippies shouldn't have called them drippies yeah Mm -mm. Mm -mm. no that goes back to that whole um that sopping adjective that we were using earlier well, last episode ended with a whole lot of conversation about dipping wet beef. So, like, I think it's okay to talk about what mouth drippies today a little if we need to. I, it's your birthday episode, so. It's my birthday. I'll drip if I want to. Gross, dude. Too gross. Too gross. Matt, thank you for joining me on this happy birthday me, happy Labor Day, happy Burger Day episode of No Bad Food. Uh, give us your plugs. Plug things. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have heard me on this podcast before, you have certainly heard me talk about my podcast debate. This, it is all about the silly, dumb questions no one is asking in comic books and video games. Our last episode that released when this episode comes out will probably still be the one that was a really terrible bit. So listen to the one before the newest episode or don't, I don't care. You do what you want. I'm not your dad. Um, But listen to that if you want to laugh. And then I've actually started a second podcast since the last time I've been here. If you are into professional overwatch, I have a professional overwatch podcast. It's called spectator diff available wherever podcasts are podcasted, but you know, that's like me and 15 other people. So don't worry if that's not for you. Whoa, cool. I know nothing about Overwatch, but I bet that is someone's thing who is listening to this right now. So if you're listening to this right now and that's your thing, check it out. Do it. I thoroughly enjoyed the most recent episode of Debate This, where you guys pretended to be alternate universe versions of, like, all of the worst people on the internet. It was it was very fun. <laughs> Oh, wow. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I had a blast like doing it and editing it, but it's definitely one of those podcast episodes that I put out there and I'm like, man, I hope more people than me find that funny. No, I I think it was good. I'm glad. I really am glad. Like, I'm really glad that people have liked it. I've had a couple of people tell me that they enjoyed it. Here's listeners a peek behind the curtain. It's hard to be an indie podcast person because nobody but your friends tells you what they think about your podcast ever. Mm -hmm. So leave reviews for your favorite podcasters. Leave reviews for Tom. 
Um, don't misgender them because all of their older views have been misgendered. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, like it, it's hard to know if things are for us or for other people. And when we recorded that episode, I was like, this one might just be for us. But people have seemed to really like it and it's really funny. So, you know, listen to debate this. I don't remember the number, but the episode is called Tucker Carlson Comes from the Mouth. Uh, if you want that. And uh, a sopping wet mouth come he is wow uh, <laughs> excuse me <coughs> thank you so much for listening to no bad food sorry about the turn it took at the end here do you want to be part of the conversation you can hit us up on twitter and instagram at no bad food pod and individually you can follow me at tom zalatni and matt where can they find you uh you can find me on social media at mc underscore dj underscore mc if you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and give me a little birthday prezi. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Gab, Thomas, Anne, Erica, Carlea, Andrew, Chantal, David, Mallory, and Sarah, who are all invited to my birthday party. Our patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. So if that's exciting for you, go to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and make it happen. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Public, And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend our theme music is by zach downtown burger dash ingles and our cover art is by david ravioli ravioli give me the formuli flam you can find links for both of them in the description of this episode and last but certainly not least the show is produced and edited by me tom zalatni as part of the pod cavern network you can find out about all the great shows on our network at podcavern.com it's going to take some time to get used to saying that huh but i am very very excited about this change and uh seriously go check out pod cavern and see all the awesome offerings available to you over there we're going to be getting a whole bunch of new merch soon migrating our merch store over there spoilers there's going to be some really awesome shit that you should be excited about. Anyway, see you next week with another new episode of No Bad Food. Take care. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time. No Bad Food is a proud member of the Podcavern Network. For more great shows like this one, head to podcavern.com.